is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today I welcome Alexandra Hamm to the show. Alex will talk about the competitive approach to job interviews. Alex, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for sharing your time. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So you're the co-founder and director of Talent Compass, a recruiting firm dedicated to accelerating your pipeline of qualified candidates. And, you know, one of my passions as a coach is helping people prep for interviews. And you've got some really good information that you want to share with our global audience and specifically focusing on women. So tell me, you know, how have interviews changed and what kinds of questions should women be asking in an interview? Because I firmly believe it's not just a one-way street. You've got to take control of the interview as a candidate. I agree with you completely. And I think that is something that's changing in the way interviewers are seeing the candidates they speak to as well. I think not only has the interview become a chance for them to get to know your background, but really is a prime opportunity for you to understand your fit as well and if the role is going to be a good fit for you long term. You know, we advise our clients to be open and honest during these interviews, you know, share your blemishes with your candidates, if you will. Um, No one wants to walk into their first day surprised, and that's not going to be a good fit for either, you know, the hiring manager or the candidate long term. So I think women are at the point where we need to be upfront in our expectations of a role and also not be afraid of asking questions to ensure that we will be successful in a role and it's a work environment that we're going to be happy with. And you really talk about it being a competitive approach. So unpack that for us. Help us understand what that means. Yeah. So I think, you know, with the unemployment levels where they are today, lowest that they have been in nearly 50 years, it's really a time for you to not only highlight your strengths, but also say, you know, I have a variety of opportunities open to me as well. And I want to make sure that these are all the best fit. Um, And these are the criteria I have for a job. Not only are you checking off their boxes, you know, most of the time as you've gotten through to the interview level stage, you know, you've checked those boxes on paper. Both parties do feel like it's a good fit. So it's your time to explore kind of the more intricacies, not only of your career, but your personality and making sure that those are a good fit with that culture as well. Nice. And I know you talk about red flags to watch for in an organization. I always encourage coaching clients, you know, you're, you're interviewing your prospective boss. So be very candid and, and find out about their leadership style. But what might be a red flag to look out for? Yeah. So I think there are a couple you can look for before you even get to the job interview stage. I think one, as woman, it's important to look you know, do they have women in leadership positions? Are there women on the board? What are their commitments to diversity? I think beyond that, also, if there aren't women on the board or women in leadership, making sure you are open with your interviewer that that's something that you'd like to learn a little bit more about. Is that something that they are committed to? What do those diversity efforts look like? Um, For example, we have a client who kind of consistently talks about looking for diverse talent, but when we look at the individuals that are getting promoted, it's one, mainly individuals that have a top tier MBA, which at this point is about 70% skewed male. And then they also Mm -hmm. really 
value military backgrounds, which is even more so, you know, skewed about 85% male. So when you're looking at that, it's then drilling down and saying, so are those the two most important kind of criteria when you're promoting? What are you doing and what are you looking for outside of those to ensure that you are getting a diverse, you know, set of leadership and so I think it's important to ask about, you know, individuals that were recently promoted, what were their backgrounds, what backgrounds have they seen be successful in the past? Um, so really digging there to make sure that, you know, their actions are matching their words. I'm so grateful for your specificity in those questions, because it seems like these days, diversity and inclusion are buzzwords. They're on everybody's website, but it doesn't necessarily show up in the results of an organization. So it's a, it's a marketing technique. And while I think it's often well-intentioned, they don't often practice what they preach. Exactly. And I think you also see that in industries that may be skewed male or may be less diverse. And those are also questions that are okay to ask. Um, you know, we're a startup, for example. So we had a candidate actually ask us recently, you know, I've really enjoyed everyone I've met with, but a lot of the startups were seeing this quote unquote bro culture. You know, what can you tell me about your organization that sets you apart and kind of, you know, confirms me that that's not the case? You know, our response was, let's have you talk to a few of your peers at this level, be it, you know, both women and male, so they can tell you about your their experiences and really give you the opportunity to evaluate if that's a good culture fit for you. I think if there is an organization you're interviewing with where they're not giving you that opportunity to meet you know, individuals at all levels or individuals that could be a potential mentor down the line. That's also something I wouldn't necessarily call a red flag, but, you know, definitely a bit of a yellow. Yeah, well put, well put. <laughs> so what, what about fit, right? I think people know it when they feel it, when they're in it, but you've got to really be savvy about asking those questions in the interview. So what do you recommend as, as a seasoned professional to our global listening audience? What kinds of things should they be asking to determine best fit? Yeah, so I think you definitely need to be asking about kind of beyond the work you're going to do, what the hours look like, what is work-life balance, you know, how do they feel about individuals, you know, working their personal lives in with their professional. Um, I know these can be harder questions to ask and can be, you know, a little uncomfortable at times. I think, you know, a good way to start all these questions are not necessarily jump straight in, but, you know, use softening statements. So, you know, let me clarify that one more time, or I want to be certain that we're aligned or that I'll be a good fit for you. So kind of using those I statements. Um, and then yeah. I would get into questions, you know, around, you know, I'm generally, I'm a hard worker and I'm okay with working, you know, up to, let's say 50 hours a week or whatever you are personally comfortable with. And then asking what their typical work schedule is, you know, that way you have put up front that you feel like you're very diligent and a hard worker. But if they're expecting you to work, let's say a 90 hour week, and that's not necessarily feasible for you, that's something that you've discussed up front. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I also appreciate how you framed the the work life uh, conversation because I've seen some younger uh, professionals go into the environment and they've got older uh, generations on the interview committee mm -hmm. and they come in with the work life balance question and it's it's misinterpreted quite honestly, right? It, it looks like they're not be. interested in working hard. Correct. So I think the way you couched it is is safe, but then also candid to get clarity about what does that look like? Exactly. Or, you know, another thing we've seen is if you do have responsibilities outside of work, um, 
you know, a few of my colleagues are young mothers and they do need to, you know, drop kids off for school or pick, sure. pick them up. And, you know, I think it's fine to say I take responsibility for completing my work and I'm okay with working from home at times, but it's also important that I'm able to, you know, complete this drop off, you know, how common is it for employees at the firm to step out of the office for something personal or what's considered acceptable? Uh, and having that conversation up front where you're framing it as, I know what, what I need to get done, but is it something that's also okay with you? Excellent. Alex, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So, Alex, when is it appropriate to work with a recruiter? Uh, you know, not everybody is positioned to be working with a headhunter or a recruiter. So at what point do you say, okay, I'm ready to have some professional assistance in this job search? Of course. So there are different types of recruiters out there. So our firm, for example, is retained. So what we'll do is that active outreach. Of course, candidates can apply to our job board and then we'll connect them with our clients. So I think that's one way to work with recruiters. Then you also have more, I would say, specialized contingent recruiters for specific industries or specific functional areas. And then I think when you are ready to be actively looking, those are great resources to reach out to at first. I think sometimes that process may take a bit longer to get through, just as they may not have a job that's a great fit for you at the moment. But I think at any point in time, it's completely acceptable to reach out to a contingent recruiting firm or a retained firm, just to have that introductory conversation, talk through what you're looking for. If you know you would like advice on your resume, that's always something that we're willing to provide as well, as it puts both the candidate and us in the best position we can be. So I think you know at that point when you're really ready to start exploring op- other opportunities, it makes the most sense. You know I do think we get some candidates coming to us at times when they're not quite ready to leave, but do just kind of want to put their resume out there, see what other opportunities they there are. That, I think, can get a little complicated just as it does occasionally put the recruiter in a tough position if a client's very interested in your resume, but you aren't ready to move forward. It it can complicate that relationship. Yeah, I appreciate your candor there. I really do. So you are of the mind that it's best to talk about compensation up front. So does the candidate bring it up or do you wait till you have that, that chat with HR? What's the right timing? Yeah, so I think... The earlier, the better, to be completely honest. I think at you know in this day and age, it's something that's the top of everyone's mind and should be a conversation that we're open having. I actually feel like when our clients start to get a little bit squirrely when it comes to talking about money, that can be you know a pretty big red flag. Um, just as you want to make sure that they have something set for this position, they're not going to wait on a specific candidate's you know qualifications or connections. Um, you know, if you're qualified for the role, everyone who's qualified for that role should be getting a similar compensation level. Um, so I think that's something you can bring up very early on in the conversation. 
And is it off-putting if a candidate says, you know, I've done my industry research and I have a sense of the range, but can you be really specific with me about uh, what the salary is, you know, going into the interview or should that conversation happen before? Yeah. So I think going into the interview is an appropriate time. And I think this kind of gets back to those softening questions. So typically the way I would put it is if you have a compensation level in mind, say, you know, I do want to be upfront. Uh, in my job search, I'm looking for something, let's say, around 150000 all in. You know, before moving forward, I want to be respectful of both your time and my own and see if we are on the same page there. And I think that will open, Nicely put. open the conversation. Yeah. I think so too. And and quite honestly, it can also end a longer term relationship that wasn't meant to be if, you know, the end result didn't match what your salary needs were. Better to to cut your losses and move towards something it's a better fit. Exactly. And I feel most recruiters will be very upfront with that, be that internal or external. You know, if it's something that it's maybe a $10,000 difference and they really don't have any wiggle room there, at least you know that going in. If you do want to continue moving forward, everyone's already had that conversation. You know, there's nothing more disappointing than getting through that final round interview and then having that compensation conversation and neither side is going to come out, um, you know, pleased with the result. Yeah, agreed. You don't want a surprise at that point. So tell me about your thoughts as a recruiter for the the good old-fashioned informational interview where you can gather facts and, and also feedback from people in the organization or perhaps people who have worked there in the past. Is that still relevant today? I believe so. I think that is a great opportunity to get a little deeper into some of these questions. I think especially if culture fit is a concern, you know, talking to someone who's currently at the organization especially before you fully enter that interview process, they're likely to be more candid. And I think it makes it a little bit less risky to ask some of those questions from a candidate's point of view. I think some of these questions can be uncomfortable. So if you're getting into them before it's with necessarily the hiring manager, for example, that can be a great time to suss out some of those red flags. Excellent. And what about your thoughts of negotiation, right? I mean, if you if you have that candid conversation about salary expectations, but you feel like, okay, I've got to ask because if I don't, I'll never get mm-hmm. it. Any any general thoughts about negotiating and when it's appropriate? I think it's always appropriate. I think that's a conversation that, frankly, most hiring managers do expect to have. And I think they're also willing to be candid. If they have no wiggle room, that's something they'll tell you. And if they do, you know, it'll be something that you're happy you asked. I also do feel like if you feel the compensation's coming in way below expectations, they're trying to lowball you and trying to play that game, I think it's just going to be a struggle at every level. You know, at every promotion, you're going to have to be pushing for more money, you know, and females do tend to have lower jumps. So if that's an uncomfortable conversation early on, that's also something I would take into consideration as you look at your job opportunities. Excellent. So Alex, what about the candidate who doesn't get the offer, right? And maybe they were one of two finalists. Is it okay to ask for feedback or do you as the recruiter have an opportunity to give developmental feedback? Yeah. So I think in all cases, definitely always great to ask for feedback. As a recruiter, that's something that the client will provide to us and always something I'm happy to pass along, especially if it is constructive. I think it's always helpful to everyone to learn, you know, what they could have done better, maybe where the other candidate won out. So even if it's a skill that you can strengthen in your current role. I've actually also um, had friends who they reached out to, you know, the hiring manager and said, I really enjoyed my conversation with you, would love to know if there's anything I can improve upon uh, to potentially be successful with your organization down the line. And they've even had referrals to other job opportunities come out of that. 
That's great. So keep it positive. And, you know, again, a coach approach, right? Where you say, I'm, I welcome that feedback. Exactly. Good stuff. So Alex, in closing, if you have, you know, one or two tips that you would share about really being an empowered interview candidate, what might that be? I would say one, always approach the interview from a positive standpoint and the standpoint where you're really treating it as a mutual interview. I think you know, occasionally we get nervous and we feel like we've been firing questions at. I think making sure that you take the time to make sure the role's just as good as fit for you as you are for them is extremely important. Uh, and then I also just think the relationship building aspect. You know, going back to the example where, you know, candidates got referrals down the line when they didn't necessarily get the position. I think, you know, treating all of these individuals as, you know, relationships that you're building rather than just a strict interview setting can really help you down the line and help to build your network as you, you know, expand your career. Fantastic. Alex, I learned so much from you today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and expertise. And please keep us posted on the success of of your world. It's exciting. And I'm, I'm grateful that you shared this wisdom with our global audience. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thanks, Alex. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new audience members find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening.